You're listening to the Games Industry Doctors podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined this week by Brendan Sinclair, Danielle Partis. We're going to be talking about the biggest stories from across the industry from the past week, starting with, of course, Take Two's purchase of Zynga, the mobile games publisher. To clarify, this episode was recorded on Friday the 14th of January, before the Microsoft Activision acquisition. We will, of course, be discussing that in depth on our next episode. First of all, my amusing note was, I believe this happened approximately 10 minutes after we said, it's a bit slow on a, on Monday in terms of news. Uh, and then this landed, and uh, it's it's huge. Deal worth $12.7 billion, uh, which I think we... $12.7 billion, sorry, which I think we worked out is, if not the second biggest, certainly one of the biggest games acquisitions of all time obviously uh go some way to beat the the 18 plus billion dollars uh, of activision and vivendi way back in the day um take two ceo strauss selnick discussed this with us there's an interview on the site if you want to read it and i'll obviously put a link in the uh, in the article and the show notes if i can um, and brendan you did a great analysis of kind of the the implications of this this deal or at least kind of questioning the deal i guess in uh, in this week in business which if you're not already reading is a is an excellent kind of weekly column we run every friday uh, brendan i'm gonna to pass to you then like kind of your thoughts on this deal my thoughts on the deal, my first thoughts were that it was weird. Um, just because Take-Two, um, we, we've interviewed uh, Strauss Elnick, CEO of Take-Two, uh, numerous times over the years. And um, one of the things that's always kind of struck me uh, about him is, is that he has been consistent in his mm. strategy and, and, and approach. And he's a few things that he's always preached is like kind of leaving it up to the, the various studios within take two to, to handle their own business and um, you know, fiscal responsibility. Like they're not going to aggressively move into a new, a new area or a new market, but they'll, they'll dabble in it so that if everything shifts that way they're at least ready to like ramp up but they're not going to be aggressively leading the way in that and i feel like zynga is very much you know takes a different uh approach um partly because they you know they came from um like the the social gaming market when it was you know essentially non-existent uh over over here in the west and the the price that that take two is paying for zynga 12.7 billion in cash and stock is like that's it's a huge deal and it's it's also a 64 percent premium over zynga's closing share price and it, it strikes me as a really um kind of an about face from take two's strategy a year ago when they were trying to buy codemasters um, they they offered almost a billion dollars for for Codemasters last well in late 2020 I believe and then Electronic Arts came in and uh, offered 1.1 billion for Codemasters and and at the time Zelnix said basically like okay well we're not going to match that because we're remaining disciplined he said uh, we have the balance sheet to grow inorganically but we've shown with Codemasters a deal we very much wanted that under all circumstances will keep a firm grasp on our HP-12C financial calculator on the one hand and our discipline and strategy on the other. And that was at a time when they weren't going to chase electronics, electronic arts bid for Codemasters, which was a 37% premium on Codemasters uh, share price at the time. And now they're paying a 64% premium on Zynga in a deal that's like 12 times the size which is uh, just, it, it, it feels out of character to me. Like that was kind of my first mm. 
my 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 first reaction is just like that's not take two as I understand it. However, uh, there there are some sort of mitigating circumstances here, and one of them is that Zynga is is uh, it was trading until this deal, um, which caused the share price to to shoot up, obviously because. When it closes, you're going to be guaranteed the the take two deal. Um, it it was at a pr- closing price of six dollars when they made the deal, and it was last February. It was trading above twelve dollars. So Zynga stock has just it's kind of cratered in the last year. A lot of gaming stocks have been down, um, but Zynga in particularly just took a took a nosedive. And honestly, I'm not sure why. Like I've I've had reservations about Zynga. Um, for years because they've been on an acquisition spree. They just buy company after company after company and they don't post profits that often. Like they, they, there's huge top line revenue growth, you know, aided by the, their ability to bring in new companies and acquire, you know, new stuff all the time. But the bottom line for, for Zynga has, has been ugly. They're expecting to lose money this year. They had a record loss of hundreds of millions, 400 million, I think, last year. Um, the year before that, they, they posted a very modest profit, but even that was only because of the one-time sale of their headquarters for $600 million. Um, and and it, it's just, it's been kind of frustrating to, to watch Zynga and the you know the rising share price and the the glowing sentiment around the company and and be wondering like okay well that's great when are they actually going to make money um and and this this sale now is is going to make zynga part of take two and it's going to give take two it, it instantly makes their their mobile business like you know up another another level puts it into another echelon and, and Take-Two had been doing this already with, um, they, they acquired Social Point and PlayDots and Nordius in the last few years. And they, they're, you know, they were a l- legit uh, mobile game publisher with a number of successful titles as, as a result. But the Zynga deal clearly puts them into another, another category of, of mobile publisher. So it's, it's, it's good for them to like, have a a real presence in a market segment that they had been late to the party with previously and in that sense it's like yeah that that does kind of fit with take two's uh pattern of behavior and and maybe because they picked it up uh at six dollars a share like maybe that 64 percent premium on the share price isn't that bad because it's still well under the $12 that it was trading for a year ago. And this is kind of an industry-wide slump. Maybe that's that's part of the, the consideration there. And I, I've, I've had a hard time like kind of um, settling on whether or not I actually think this is a good deal because that is a, it's a ton of money and it's going to take Zynga, even, even if... Um, Take two can kind of curb their their spending, and I'm guessing they're not going to be doing a whole lot of acquisitions on the Zynga side anymore. Um, I'm 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 a little skeptical as to how it's going to pay off in the long run um, because Zynga has been losing money, and and if you look at their their 
their books, the two of the big areas where they've been spending money is on sales and marketing expenses and research and development. And the sales and marketing, I think, is it's it's going to have elevated costs um, in in the mobile market compared to the traditional market that Take Two is coming from, because um, you're basically you paid user acquisition is such a huge part of it. So. Uh, if you were looking at the, their books last year, Take-Two spent 13% of its net revenue on sales and marketing. Zynga spent 31%. I'm not sure how much of that that 31% uh, can be really you know clawed back and now that it'll be part of Zynga. But research and development, uh, Zynga spent 20% in its most recently reported quarter. It spent 33% of its total revenue on research and development uh, in the year-ago quarter. And meanwhile, Take-Two spent in its whole year, 9% of its revenue on research and development. That is a pretty big gap. And it's one that I think, um, I, I, I suspect there's more more leeway to, to scale that down with Zynga and have less of an impact on its current business and the things it does well. One of the things that I've been really impressed with Zynga about is that they take really old games like Zynga Poker and Words with Friends, and they make the most of them. Those games have had some of their best quarters ever in the, in the last few years. And Zynga's done a really impressive job, I think, in keeping those relevant. Now, I'm not sure how much of that sales and marketing spend is is to blame or, or to credit for keeping those, those old titles uh, turning over. And I don't know if that research and development spend is is being put towards you know, monetization techniques or something on the, on the existing games. I, I, it doesn't seem like that would be the most natural place for R and D spend to be, but, um, uh, yeah, but I don't have insight into that still. Like if you look at, if you look at what Zynga does best, I think it's that, um, their, their new games that they launch are, are a lot less of a, you know, sure thing just because like, this is, this is, a very common story i think in in mobile games is that the companies that that make one hit have trouble following it up with hit after hit after hit it's not predictable in the way the console uh space can be where like one one big ip can just churn out sequel after sequel after sequel and if you look at what what zynga's got coming as far as the the new games like they launched farmville 3 in november um google play says it has over 1 million installs which is not a terribly impressive um threshold uh, as far as i'm as far as i'm concerned some of the other games that i've looked at it definitely is not a you know a, a viable hit just yet um could it could it be built there sure maybe uh and then you look at what they have coming out next and you got like star wars hunters which is interesting because it's a um overwatch style arena game and it's uh cross-platform between mobile and the nintendo switch so this is going to be zynga's first game on consoles i don't know how well that's going to go um but but it's it's there's potential there for them to like you know they got a huge license and they're breaking out into new uh new platforms new audience there maybe there's maybe there's something there um having seen the trailer i'm very skeptical of that and and then you've got zynga with their whole blockchain endeavor like they they hired an executive for blockchain and and I, I interviewed um, Zynga President Bernard Kim shortly after they announced that and he he just had completely unsatisfactory answers I thought 
to a number of legitimate questions about how Zynga is going to make this work, where they're going to distribute their games, considering the App Store and Google Play don't really allow for blockchain games at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's Zynga's corporate culture, right? They're, they're all in on something aggressively um, before it's proven out, hoping to get an early mover advantage, which stands in contrast to take two. Uh, and, and their traditional conservatism on, on this. But uh, I like best case scenario on this, I, I look at it like um, Activision Blizzard's acquisition of King. Cost a ton of money, but King has been a consistent and reliable performer for Activision Blizzard. Um, it doesn't necessarily make the headlines when they have their their quarterly results every, every time, but King is... Um, easily the most consistent of of the Activision and Blizzard and King divisions within there. And and when Activision Blizzard does have a bad quarter, as happens uh occasionally, it's never really it's it's never King's fault. You know, King is the one that's doing the best in a bad situation. Uh there's there there there's a benefit to that, I think for for the company for sure so yeah like it's it's a long way to go for sort of a um a shoulder shrug from me on whether or not this deal is all that good um but i i can kind of see where where take two is coming from with this i can absolutely see where where the the skepticism around it is and take two share price um took a hit after the announcement of this acquisition but in in the long term like i i could absolutely see this working out for both companies i seem to recall it was take two's shares took a hit but zynga's shares took a, a real big rise so yeah you can see who 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 the shareholders believe benefit most from this deal well, um <clears throat> i i don't i don't put any any you know weight behind the the rise of the zynga share price except for you know like like take two has said okay well if this closes then we're going to give cash and stock to to zynga shareholders that are going to be worth you know 985 or something so of course the stock price is going to rise up to whatever that level is in the meantime it's not going to go any any higher really but the same thing happened uh, years ago when when electronic arts um back when a lot of the Zynga executives were part of Electronic Arts, tried a hostile buyout of Take-Two. And I think they were they were offering like 12 or $13 of share of Take-Two. And instantly the stock just, you know, goes right up to exactly that amount and then just stays there until until that deal fell through. I suspect this deal will go through. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any kind of regulator issue with, with Take-Two buying a presence in mobile here. Daniel, obviously, in your, your pre-GI life, uh, you focus quite a lot on mobile. Like, I'm, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on this one. Um, honestly, just just listening to Brendan there, um, I, I don't think there's anything that I can articulate better than he did. But um, I, I really, when I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the sheer worth of Zynga and the sheer size of the deal, um, lining up with with the the kind of losses that that Brendan mentioned that the company's seen over the last few years but the successes of the companies that are now under Zynga and paired with with Zelnick's kind of statement where he said 
the plan is basically just to let Zynga keep doing its thing and for them to not really intervene in, uh, you know, what Zynga has been doing. Um, I, I also started thinking about where, uh, like, the worth of this deal and whether it's worth it, I guess. Um, but I think Brendan is right that it's not a, not a, not a bad deal by any means. I just, at this point, I, I'm not struggling to see the worth of it, but it's, it's a very big thing to comprehend, I think, um, it, whether it's going to be as, as worth it as, as the, the figure is. I'm really articulating that in a, in a shitty way. <laughs> <laughs> the intervention issue, like the, the oversight of take two, I think is is really um, interesting because how, how much of Zynga's losses right now are just a, a direct result of things like their acquisition spree and and because they, they did, there were definitely a few quarters where they were like specifically blaming their losses on the... Uh, you know, extra consideration from the deals uh, that they they made to acquire some of these companies, but they've been structuring the deals differently in in recent in the last year or two, and it's been less of a less of a drag on their their numbers, according to them at least. Um, so it's like if if Zynga just runs at a loss because that's just kind of like <laughs> what they do. Uh, if they need that that sales and marketing spend, if they need that R and D spend to keep things going the way that they normally go, uh, I'm I'm not sure how much inclination Take Two is going to have to just be like, yeah, they got their own company culture, so we're just going to let them hammer our bottom line year mm-hmm. after year, because you know we don't want to we don't want to mess with them. It's like no, that's I don't think that's going to last very long. So we'll we'll see if it's if it's something that like Zynga can proactively just like turn the corner and 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 be contributing to the take two bottom line instead of dragging on it. But I I mean like the the losses it's it's just something that's that's been weird to me with um, a lot of companies in the last you know decade or so. Like you see companies like Roblox and Unity, which have been hugely successful by you know perception and and conventional wisdom and everything's like wow they're really doing well and then like you know they go for an ipo and their ipo tells you like we have never posted a profitable quarter ever because they've just been looking like for that exit event they've been looking to grow the business Mm -hmm. as much as possible to get to that big payoff and thing is like zynga's got its big payoff now um and and unity and 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 roblox but now it's like okay well can you actually can you actually flip a switch and and be profitable and and you've you've seen it kind of happen also in social media companies you know uber and, and and twitter um took longer to flip that switch i think than than their shareholders would have liked i'm actually not even sure if uber has yet but uh that that loss leading for growth um behavior is uh, it's it's so common right now and and it just kind of like it kind of frustrates me because i know you got to spend money to make money but i i still just look at the bottom line and it's like i can't i can't run my life like this (laughs) you know no no one's gonna look at me racking up huge amounts of credit card debt and just say like yeah he's he's killing it (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) It's such a weird deal because, like, I 
like you guys, I can, I can see, I can see where both sides are coming from. Obviously, I can see the benefit for Zynga of, like you said, like you said, Brendan, they've had this massive acquisition spree, and then here's this big payout exit event that kind of sort of justifies all of that, or at least kind of helps make it worthwhile. And I can kind of see, I, I can absolutely see why Take Two has bought someone like Zynga, because mobile obviously is the biggest part of the market. Um, to subtly point out that I'm reading the 2021 year in numbers infographic that we run on games.biz every year. Um, 52% of the market in 2021 was uh, mobile, so $93.2 billion. Like, that's absolutely massive. That's bigger than, you know, console and PC combined, obviously, and that's traditionally Take-Two space. When you look at Take-Two's mobile presence, like, I'm just casually looking on the, uh, the, the Google Play Store at the moment. Take-Two has, or 2K Games at least, has... Eight apps, two of which are quite old. They're Civilization Revolution 2 and XCOM Enemy Within. One is WWE Supercard Battle Cards, and five are NBA apps. When you compare that to EA, EA has 33 mobile apps at the moment. And that ranges, there's a few companion apps in there, you know, for things like Anthem and, and Mirror's Edge. But like the range there, it goes from things like FIFA and NBA and so forth, um, to, you know, very casual games like Bejeweled, to, you know, you know, licensed titles like Star Wars Galaxy Heroes or Simpsons Tapped Out, and they've got a really good presence there. And I can see why Take-Two wants to go that way, or really wants a presence in mobile. Because, like, mo- as we said, mobile is the, the biggest market. We're getting to the stage where you can't, you can't ignore it, you can't like step out of it. You need a presence in mobile if you are going to be one of the biggest games companies because that is the biggest games market. I mean, that's fairly simple stuff. But it's also been talking to people about this um, since the announcement. There's the interesting angle of like mobile obviously unlocks other markets that PC and console don't have as much of a presence in. So emerging markets or, or growing markets, things like India. India is primarily mobile dominated like there isn't as much of a space for console and pc over there this gives take to a route into india china obviously is primarily pc and mobile there are console there's console presence now and take to have you know some of the most valuable brands in gaming most notably grand theft auto and red dead and they don't necessarily have a way or certainly don't have a presence now in mobile and they don't necessarily have a route to get that now obviously I'm not saying that this means they've bought Zynga to make a GTA online, a GTA mobile. I'm not saying that because I don't think Zynga could possibly create a GTA mobile. I, you know, as I share Brendan's scepticism about uh, the Overwatch Star Wars that it's working on. Like, It's so far away from what Zynga has been known for and what it's developed in the past. There's kind of no guarantee that they can pull that off and pull that off to a level that competes with or stands toe-to-toe with the, the, the established games in that sort of genre. But yeah, I just I I see the logic of like wanting a presence in mobile and therefore wanting that potential open route of bringing these big IP into the mobile space, whatever form that may take. And most of Take Two's IPs are core. Um, they're very kind of core focused. They're focused on the traditional gamer. But the mobile market has become increasingly accessible. Not accessible. Obviously, it's always been accessible. Smartphones are pretty much ubiquitous at this point. There's been more opportunities for core gaming experiences in mar- uh, in the mobile market over the last few years. Call of Duty Mobile does fairly well. PUBG Mobile, I believe, does fairly well. I, I believe PUBG does 
PUBG Mobile must, does like as well, if not better than like the standard PC version. Fortnite obviously does f- fairly well on on mobile. Like we we saw from the court case last year that PlayStation is the biggest market for it, but it still had a presence and a decent audience on you know, iOS and Android. So there is scope there to get these core style experiences. Like you could do a watered down kind of. GTA Online style experience or Red Dead Online style experience. Obviously, it wouldn't be a massive, huge open world, you know, as the the traditional games are. But you could perhaps have like, you know, the the more closer PvP stuff, you know, emulated on mobile or or a, a mobile specific version of that built. So I can see why they've gone for that to kind of open up that possibility. Whether or not Zynga are the company that enables that, I'm less convinced. Well, Zynga's, Zynga's general lessons in, in things like uh, user acquisition and retention and stuff, I'm sure, would, would, mm. would still apply even if you're making a different uh, kind of game, I imagine. So, and, and Zynga just uh, acquired a chart boost for, I think it was $100, $150 million. Um, so that's a not insignificant um, component of this, especially given uh, this is happening in the middle of upheaval in in the ios market particularly with user acquisition since apple's idfa privacy changes have made people opt into app tracking uh so having having an analytics firm like chart boost in-house and being able to to dig into that um at their leisure is, is like there there are some synergies like that some like it was a good idea for zynga to get chart boost just to help with Zynga's uh, business after the the Apple IDFA changes. And and I think that that same rationale applies to Take-Two as as they try and beef up their their mobile aspirations. Another topic we want to discuss from this past week, another mobile-related topic, is we ran a piece by uh, Dr. Christopher A. Paul from Seattle University. He wrote an interesting opinion piece for us about how Apple Arcade breaks free-to-play games but not in the way that you might think. Um, Apple Arcade obviously is Apple's subscription service. It's a collection of games where there are no microtransactions, there's no advertising, you just get the game. But a fair number of them are structured similarly to things that you'd typically find in the free-to-play space. So uh, examples he gives was like Star Trek Legends or Lego Star Wars Battles. Um, And he wrote this kind of interesting piece as to why that structure of game doesn't work in the subscription model. Um, Brendan, you kind of were interested to talk about this one. Like, what, what kind of um, point, points did you take away from this? Part of it is just that the headline isn't actually um, accurate because I, I feel like this breaks uh, free-to-play games in exactly the way that I expect it to. <laughs> um, it, it's, it, it brings me back to, like, 2005 or so, and I... At the time, I was on a on a big like, come on, game publishers, games don't just go for fun. Games can be so much more than fun. It is so so limiting to make everything just all about oh how how fun can we make it? And then it was it was sort of like a uh, be careful what you wish for thing because uh, game publishers then realized in sort of around then that instead of optimizing for fun, they could optimize for engagement. And the free-to-play model uh, has has been kind of a, you know, a clear 
uh, indicator of, of what happens when you do that, because it's, it's built on, um, dissatisfaction. I find it's, it's every, everything about it is like, okay, so this is fun, right? But what about this one annoying thing here? You know, if you just give us some money, that annoying thing becomes less annoying and then you can have fun again, uh, for a little bit. That'll get you, you know, that'll let you pick up the speed on the treadmill a little bit. Um, but after, after, you know, minutes, hours, whatever, uh, you're going to get tired of that again. And and then this, this barrier here is going to annoy you again. You're really going to want to spend money again to get past that. That was always the way free to play was designed. And I think this explains a lot of the resistance that the traditional gaming audience had, uh, to free to play games. Um, partly because the first waves of free-to-play games that that showed up in in the west anyways were not getting the balance right of what's fun versus what's annoying uh they hadn't they hadn't really perfected the sales pitches for it to make it seem less obnoxious or skeezy and uh and and part of it was just because people people saw this and they realized like oh well yeah i don't i don't want to have to constantly like pay forever in order to have fun with this game. And, and when I'm not, you know, when I'm not paying the game itself is just a worse experience. So by taking these free to play games and putting them into Apple arcade as a premium product without any kind of in-app purchases, it really kind of shows how, how hollow the, the gameplay can be and how, how shallow the appeal of it is when it's disconnected from from that you know that purchasing decision that you're always making and like the the retail therapy that you get maybe from spending money on these games and it i think it kind of makes clear how how so much of free to play games now is not about whether the game is fun so much as it's it's about how effectively are they capitalizing on the little like psychological tricks that keep people stuck around and playing the game over time Mm. it's depressing i was on (laughs) it's it is i've I've been thinking about uh the way that free-to-play games are are designed like in a lot in the last week we were talking on the team about the uh the rise of this new or the 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 imminent rise of this new buzzword ernium i think it was like ernium so it's like freemium but play to earn ernium that's definitely a word I've seen doing the rounds in the last week and I have a horrible feeling it's going to be it's the new metaverse or blockchain or whatever it's going to be. Hold on it's just a second. Use. I'm updating the style guide to never <laughs> ever use Ernium. Okay. Sorry. Ernium. Go on. Um but I remember I remember I was talking about I joked about the uh the old this is going to sound like a trivial reference but the you know, the, the South Park episode freemium isn't free. You know, the meum is is Latin for not really. And I I looked up that scene and where, you know, they're breaking down like the, you know, they're taking the mic out of how free-to-play mobile games are designed. You know, like it's, we basically remove the fun from each of these, you know, it's the classic RPG cycle of, you know, explore, improve, collect, etc. We remove the fun from all of these and put money into each of this this steps so it's money 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 i like i won't lower the term but like in, in introducing the you know like this the sound from the clip and like putting the explanation in here but like you know it's easily found on youtube but that's from 2014 
And I was watching it as like, this is every free-to-play game I have. I, even now, even now, I will download a new free-to-play game and I think, oh yeah, I'll give this a go. I tried Idle Miner Tycoon recently because I wrote something about it and I thought I never gave that game a go. I'll, I'll download it, give it a go. And you're instantly in the cycle of this is just clicking buttons and waiting for the numbers to go up and, and hoping for the kind of the, the, the surge of happiness that comes with increasing numbers. It's like nearly 10 years on after that, Mictech. And I'm not saying that a South Park parody is enough to that's gonna you know make people open their eyes and change the ways that they make things. But like that's the model that it still is. Like the, the this is still the truth of free to play games and free to play mobile games in particular. And so yeah, looking through the, the arcade piece, I was thinking about I I did have a brief time on Apple Arcade. I was I had a subscription for the first, I think it was six months. And there just wasn't anything that wanted me to keep you know, like the wanted me to keep playing keep keep subscribing obviously any kind of subscription service has it's kind of it has to find its footing because you know it's it's it, you know there's now over 200 games i think there were about 20 when i was on it but it was nice playing these games where you didn't have you know adverts or you weren't invited to buy anything but some of them like the actual mechanics like in the you know, the, the the gameplay loops didn't feel any different and therefore, like I'm not saying like you know it's, it's reliant on the microtransactions to become fun, but like I thought they just, they just didn't hook me. They didn't hook me. They didn't. I didn't have the smugness of well, I'm going to get through this game without spending money. I'm going to use time and patience because like it, you were just playing through. Um, there were there are free to play games in the past where I've played, and I thought you know what, if you release a premium version of this and just removed all the the timers and microtransactions and so forth, I would really enjoy this game. And like the example I always think of for that was, um, I think it's Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, where you're. It's a very it's a narrative game where you're, you know, you're a student at Hogwarts and you go to lessons and you trigger events and it's all it's all timers and energies. Like right, you need to use energy to complete tasks in your lesson, but then you have to wait for the energy to re, you know, renew, you know, recharge, or buy more energy, and then you can continue playing. And it got to the stage where, obviously, the inevitable stage in most free-to-play games where you have to either time it so that you are playing the moment your energy recharges, otherwise you don't have enough energy to complete all the tasks you want to, or you buy energy. It's like, right, I'm not buying energy, delete, I'm done. And I was, I had, at that point, been caught up in the narrative. And I was like, I was ashamed there's not a premium version. But now I think back to it, had they just removed the timers and the energy and so forth, the actual gameplay would have still been quite boring because you're just you're tapping on buttons to finish events or finish activities but you're not actually engaging in those activities like in a lesson you're just you know it's like study book so you tap on the book until a shiny thing comes out and then you tap on the book until a shiny thing comes out and enough shiny things come out and that's it you have read the book now you need to tap on the wand to use that and you're not actually engaging you're interacting anything you're literally just tapping a screen and that's that is mobile play mobile game design and that's that's Enough for billions of people, millions of people, and that's great, but that's not what I personally and a number of people aren't as interested in. So, yeah, the the notion of a subscription service that bundles all these games in together, removes the advertising and the microtransaction element, but doesn't improve the gameplay, doesn't make the gameplay any more engaging, I can understand why that doesn't work. Yeah, that... The way you explained that got me thinking about um, the the mobile game I play the most, which is um, Marvel Contest of Champions. And 
unlike um the the harry potter game where you're just kind of clicking and not engaging in the gameplay i quite like uh clash of champions gameplay because it's a it's like a, a, a side view fighting game and you're actively um swiping and tapping the screen to engage in the mechanics and you're actually playing it but like um what you just mentioned it has the same kind of um playing with energy thing and then if you run out you either have to wait uh for the energy to recharge which can take several hours or you can spend um real money to to get energy and and carry on with the gameplay but other than that you can play through that game without spending any money and it just got me thinking about how much i would play of that game if there was a premium version that was like a couple of quid a month but with that energy um, barrier removed so you could play as much as you want of it if you are subscribing to it and i would i would lose so many hours if that existed so i'm kind of glad that it doesn't <laughs> there are games out there you say about you know, you'd play that if it was two pound a month there are games out there plenty of mobile games out there that do have a subscription just to that game but but typically that subscription is you get more stuff uh, yeah like it's it's not like you subscribe to the game and then you have a a whole game experience it's just you subscribe to the game and it's still the free-to-play game but you get a few bonus like currency or fuel or items or whatever to kind of help you along which is probably not much more different than just buying that stuff every month anyway right because like the entire business model is not limiting the amount of money that people can throw at your game it needs to be a bottomless pit so that the whales will be willing to you know throw good money after bad there to to stay in involved in your game uh if you just have like a one-time charge or something super mario run showed that you can have a fantastic game and a one-time charge and it won't it won't even make a dent it's it is nowhere close to the uh amount of money that a successful free-to-play game brings in and like you talk about like oh i would i would love this game if it were just you know if i could just pay money for it once and that that brings me right back to like 2012, 2013 or something when uh, everything on the App Store was like 99 cents. And Angry Birds was a fantastic premium game, right? Like Angry Birds is just a, that's that's a great mobile game, in my opinion. Just fantastic. But um, a lot of those early mobile games are just kind of like, they're they're you know they switched they're no no longer available in that premium form uh now you have to do an apple arcade subscription to get like the the remake of the original angry birds without in-app purchases and stuff and it's just i realized mobile gaming wasn't for me um by and large years ago when when that switch happened and everything that was interesting to me um fell by the wayside because the they were too focused on interesting and engaging gameplay and not enough built around a you know uh, lucrative monetization scheme so it's and and i'm not trying to say like i'm you know immune to the charms of of a uh effective monetization treadmill like i played marvel puzzle quest for three years i think like from its launch date and uh yeah and i i spent some money on that more probably than i should have uh and and 
after that i was i was just eventually i i you know i spent some some money on like uh here's buy your premium pack of stuff and then you un you un and you open the pack and you flip through the the cards that they give you and it's like oh i got absolutely nothing out of that that was like 20 dollars down the drain or or you know you you spend 20 dollars on a pack like that and it's like okay there's one good thing there and that that cool thing is has bumped me up to another like echelon in the game and i start playing again and then i'm just getting destroyed because everything else in that echelon is you know overpowered relative to me to push me to spend more and at, at that point it just became so glaringly obvious that it was a treadmill with infinite speed settings and they would just forever be ratcheting up the speed setting to you know a little bit higher than i was willing to to spend money on and that just seemed like a you know a pure engine of dissatisfaction for me and and i walked away from from that game and pretty much all free-to-play games uh right then and there I know what you mean. I definitely put. I definitely dropped at least ten pounds into a Spider-Man Unlimited, um, but that was that was one of those games where like you have to collect, you have to collect duplicates of the same character to level up that character because you need certain level of character or a certain type of character to play certain game modes or certain missions. And I realized afterwards that it maybe maybe like you know when you spend you spend that money over time and it's like this is still not getting me any closer to like complete not completing the game but like progressing so yeah i'm gonna stop here that's the other thing that always that i always have to remind myself is free-to-play games don't have an end and i have this weird thing of i want to finish games um i the last thing i'll say on this is that the this whole discussion anytime we talk about um mobile always reminds me of kind of the free-to-play is as, as one essentially in the impact it's had in terms of the the perception of value like I talk about all these games, you know, like I'd much prefer a premium game. Oh, I wish I'd, you know, there was none of this free-to-play stuff. I could just, you know, buy it. But then when I find a free-to-play game I like, like one of those word puzzle ones, and it's like, you know, spend two ninety nine and you can get rid of the adverts, I still don't do it because I know there's still microtransactions. Or I think, well, no, I've got this game for free. Why do I need to buy, you know, pay to get rid of the adverts? I'll just wait 30 seconds. I'll look away from my phone for 30 seconds, and then I've saved myself £2.99. Um or I, I switched to Android two years ago, and a friend of mine put me on this the Google Rewards uh, app. It's like they they send you a survey every now and then, and you get credit for the Play Store. So I've been using that to buy buy games. So essentially, those are free. I've just answered a few questions, and I've been given free currency, and maybe at the expense of my dignity, and um, and I get to, to get to buy games. And I've used that to like I bought I bought Animal Farm, and I I enjoyed that. I bought The Room, and I haven't played it. I am now at the point where I've got enough for another game, and I'm tempted to buy something. And like I'm debating, I'm, I'm torn between uh, GTA Chinatown Wars or Civilization Revolution Two, but I don't do it because I. I I don't play my I don't play games on my phone enough to warrant doing that. So even when games are free, even when these games are worth money, and I and I am interested in them, I'm I'm clearly not interested enough to buy them. And then even when I 
buy them in air quotes because you know I've, I've used free credit even when they're free i've got them for free i still don't play them because they're not as engaging to me as console pc and the other sort of games i play it's just it's it's fascinating as someone who is not who is not into the habit of playing mobile games like because we are in the minority as we said like mobile is by far and away the biggest part of the market. The people who are spending however many hours or pounds or dollars on Candy Crush or uh, you know Genshin Impact or you know Garena Free Fire, PUBG, Fortnite, all these you know not Fortnite obviously, um, all these mobile games that are drawing in absurd amounts of money and like we're just not in the mentality of that audience. It's just, it's really strange as an outsider to that mindset to be looking at it's like, how is this, ensnaring is a strong word, how is this engaging so many people? That is all we've got time for this week. We're going to be back next week with another weekly news show. In the meantime, you can find previous episodes of this podcast on all podcasts and platforms of your choice. Be sure to go back to last week's episode where we discussed predictions for the year, both analyst predictions and a little bit of our own. And you can find more news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. You should get Chinatown Wars, though. James, that's like I should definitely get China. Well, I, I don't know yeah, how it I, works on mobile, <laughs> but like uh, the DS version was the best Grand Theft Auto game ever. If you ask, me. I loved that game. I loved that game. I miss, I miss the top-down GTA's, yeah. and like I played, oh. I played San Andreas Definitive Edition on Game Pass the other, like the other week. It's like, yeah, I'm done with the 3D stuff. Give me, like, give me, give me top-down GTA. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that is the sound of me opening um, eBay to. Uh procure a copy of this. <laughs>